What makes a law firm? It's about passion, knowledge, understanding, and service. That's what defines Fluxman's. In this podcast series, we take you behind the desks of some of South Africa's smartest legal minds. With regard to labor law, Lisa Ann King is well-renowned for her role at Fluxman's as Director of Labor and Human Resources in that department, both for clients and for the firm since 2004. She's also well-known for chairing conferences and being a keynote speaker in the field. Lisa's practice is diverse, covering the full gamut of people-related issues. It's some of the most complicated stuff. Thanks for finding some time for us. Are you are you in between doing retrenchment consultations and drafting new uh, HR policies and helping companies hire and fire? It's a tough world. It is, Gareth. It's really a tough world. And I think the area of labor relations is becoming tougher for employers out there. Well, isn't part of that because it's changing all the time? Yes, um, it's changing continuously. It's a very fluid field of law to practice in. And um, you'll see from all the constitutional court cases that I'm sure you're aware of that have just mm-hmm. recently come out that there's a lot of media attention on this particular field. Um, but it's fun, I must say. It's great fun to be in this arena. So how much time do you actually have because you're practicing all the time. How much time do you have to keep up to date to do the research, to find the gaps in your schedule where you can catch up with the latest precedent, um, changes to the legislation, regulations on a smaller level? How do you even find time? We're very fortunate in terms of our um, infrastructure at Fluxman's. We have a full-time librarian who would you know pick up anything that's new in terms of our area of expertise and will send us a snippet of or what it's about, and obviously to the extent that it um, tweaks our interest, we then communicate with her, and she provides us with you know the full the full detail of the particular matter. Also, we've got candidate attorneys, associates that assist us in obviously researching things. So it really does make a difference to be in a bigger firm and to have that infrastructure. Yeah, it makes you feel like you're going into battle with all the armor and all the weapons. Absolutely. So how did you get into HR and labor law? So um, I started my articles at Fluxman's in 2000, so I've been here for 18 and a half years. And um, initially I actually went into the labor department as a uh-huh. candidate attorney, and when it came to the time that we had to rotate the other candidate attorney and myself, he really loved litigation, I loved labor law, and we agreed amongst ourselves that we actually weren't going to rotate. So uh-huh. I then remained in labor law, and, and that's become the field of expertise that I'm in. Um, but just, just for your interest is that, um, probably about two years ago, no, about five years ago, I went, I was feeling a little bit that I needed a challenge. Uh-huh. And I then asked the firm whether I could have the opportunity to go into the commercial departments. Right. So I then spent three years in, immersed in the commercial departments and gained a huge amount of valuable experience doing just that for the three years. And of course, it also relates to a lot of labor relations. So it was very, um, insightful for me and it gave me a huge broad base of knowledge. Um, but at the same time, I found it a little bit boring compared to labor law. <laughs> I like, I'm a people's person. I like to get right. out and about. So I didn't quite enjoy being office bound for every single day of my working um, week. So I then approached our senior partner and we've now, I do a sort of 80% labor and 20% commercial. And I do find that our commercial partners often call on me to assist them in matters that you know involve uh, commercial and labor 
um, law. That's fascinating. And I suppose one of the nice things about being a lawyer is that you can expand your knowledge in any direction that takes your interest. And then you become a super specialist in an area where it overlaps, obviously. No, absolutely. And, I mean, what we think we are specialists in today, in a few years' time, our, our careers may be quite diverse depending mm. on what comes out of the courts and legislation, etc. But you have to love it to practice well, right? And no, to enjoy I, your work. You have to, you have to immerse yourself in it. You have to actually want to pick up that information, talk to the people involved, go to, um, conferences, chair committees, meetings, speak to everyone. Absolutely, Gareth. You have to have a passion to be in this profession. It's, it, it isn't always easy. It's very demanding. It can be very stressful at times. So you have to love it to be in it for a long period of time. And um, fortunately, I do. I love what I do. And as I said, it's, there's never a dull moment, especially in terms of labor law. And um, it, keeps it, it keeps us on our toes. Do you think there's, there's either an unfair expectation or a discrimination when it comes to women practicing law? I think it is tough for women practicing law in terms of managing households, um, you know, managing children, especially when they get to school going years, mm. and then obviously being expected to to work and function at the same level as our male partners. So it does it does sort of pull you in three different directions, but it is it's almost possible. like you have to work twice as hard. No, absolutely, you know? and and I do find that I and and it's not with any disrespect to my male partners and colleagues in the industry, but it is, you know, they get to work, they focus on their work. They've often got very big support structures at home, wives that help them. Mm-hmm. So it really is, um, helps them. For us, on the other hand, we run in in three, four different directions, managing different diaries of all children, etc. But um, it can be done, most certainly. I must say that it is quite sad that we have seen through the years that I've been at Fluxman's and even in the industry, that a lot of the time when females get to having children, they find the demand so much that they actually leave the profession. Mm. And that is a pity, and, and it's something that maybe the profession should look at being more flexible in terms of where they can work from. I don't believe that you have to work from an office. I think you can. There's a lot that can be done at home. There's a lot mm. can be done by Skype calls, etc. You right. know, the technology is amazing. But I, unfortunately, I think a lot of firms have still got a very – Old school mindset. Yeah, patriarchal. You, yes, and you need to be in the, the office, office right. to be seen to be working and making um, the fees. But on the other hand, there's a secret weapon in being a woman, in particular when it comes to labor law and HR, because you can understand some of the tone and some of the notes that men might not, especially those kind of men that we were just talking about, might not get, right? No, absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. And you see it almost every day in various environments. So you are sense more sensitive than your male colleagues to these these issues. And a lot of the time I actually find it alarming is that the men won't even realize, you know, what they say, what they do, um, and they see nothing wrong in it. Yeah, and, and obviously a lot of HR directors and, and managers in various firms happen to be women as well. Yes. Because they tend to understand these things a lot better and tend to manage those kinds of, of conflict resolutions and communication and miscommunication situations a lot better. I do believe so. I think you're more sensitive and, and sort of in tune with what people are going through. You read those signs that the men don't always see. Yes. Yeah. And also, I do. if I just look at our workplace, is that we've got a number of female employees, you know, mm. whether they be secretaries or um, paralegals, etc. And I think sometimes they're more comfortable with coming and speaking about their own personal situations and relationships. Yeah. You know, with a, with woman. a woman. Sure. It must be, though, um, a very difficult environment too because there is room for huge conflict 
and HR is often tasked with having to resolve stuff that is a much more uh, corporate problem. It sometimes is a corporate culture problem. Sometimes it has to do with their policies. Sometimes it has to do with the country we live in and these very, very difficult things that we have to navigate. You agree? I do agree, Gareth. And what we've seen is that um, what's becoming challenging in the workplace is culture. Um, and from that perspective, culture is very much um, determined by the individuals within the business, their own cultures from where they come from, their backgrounds, and, of course, the culture of the business. And I think that also has to become quite fluid because as people change in the workplace, so these cultures may have to change. So what may have been good for a business 10 years ago from a culture perspective may not actually be working for the business going forward. And what we've seen is sometimes people are quite resistant to their change in culture. People don't want to change their mm. culture, and it's not always a good thing. Um, so, yes, we, we've seen that all the time, and there's lots of diversity, as we know, in our country, in the workplace, and people need to be more accepting of a whole lot of different issues that are happening in the workplace. Do you think South Africa has a good labor landscape structure? I think it's one of the best in the world, to be honest with you. I think the the legislation we've got in place, the forums we've got in place, are definitely on par with some of the first world countries. It is expressed by a lot of our clients, especially employers, that it's exceptionally frustrating. And in a sense, sometimes a little bit too rigid in that um, it really becomes very difficult for employers to get rid of people, for instance, yeah. and it becomes an effort. Or to hire and them without having to worry about how they're going to get rid of them if it doesn't work. Exactly, and that, that really is a problem because it almost is inhibiting employment in South Africa, I believe. A lot of the times companies are looking at automation, um, I mean, even in terms of this recent constitutional court case in the matter of assigned services in NUMSA, mm -hmm. which is with regards to the labor brokers, that has had a huge amount of focus lately, and we've been very involved in, in consulting with clients. But just as an example, the consequences of this is that companies that may have to take over these people from labor brokers are actually now considering restructuring. Because do we really need the 150 people that the labor broker has always supplied to us? Because now they have to become our employees. Do we need that aggravation? And now they're reassessing the entire structure. So, so it could mean 150 people in that case being left out of the business, out of the job market. Absolutely. So whilst legislation is wonderful in terms of protecting employees from um, employers that are underhanded or, mm. you know, um, bullies or whatever the case may be, at the same time, there needs to be a little bit more of a balance, I believe. Yeah, it's interesting. And I suppose every case that comes to you has the possibility of changing some aspect of the legislation or the procedure, right? Absolutely. Um, recently, what Nothing's easy. No, nothing is easy. It's never straightforward. And, and I'm sure what you've seen too, because there's been a lot of media attention around it, is that sexual harassment has become oh, yeah. a massive focus of attention in international media. Um, and we've seen it more and more in South Africa. In the past, what we did notice is that people were really too scared to actually put up their hands and saying that they were being harassed, whether sexually, racially, et cetera, in the workplace. But I think with more media attention, with, with a number of sort of superstars and people that are putting their hands up and saying it's happened to me, people are actually becoming more aware of it, number one, and are actually saying we do not have to be treated like this. And there are real consequences for the, the often men who, who are perpetuating this sort of behavior. 
Absolutely. And Gareth, I must say that in the past we used to see big organizations that if it was an allegation against one of the executives, they would often sweep it under the carpet. Mm -hmm. The person that was the victim would be paid a handsome settlement and would be really told to leave. What we see now and what I've seen in the last year is a lot of businesses are actually coming and seeking our advice the minute these allegations are made. And they don't want to be sweeping things under the carpet. They actually are not tolerating this type of conduct from senior executives or anybody within the business for that matter. So they're putting in more strict controls, they're putting in policies and procedures, and they're really trying to create cultures in which people don't feel the fear of victimization, et cetera, if, um, if they're in a situation that, that is untenable at work. So would your, would your advice be, and I'm not asking you for free advice here, but if, if someone has situations like this in the, in the workplace, they should come straight to a lawyer like you who specializes in this area because you'll be able to map out the route forward for them. Yes, Gareth, whether they're employees that are obviously feel like they're the victims on any, of any form of harassment or whether they're, of course, employers that, are, that get complaints yeah, and sure. need to. Because I think what's important just to mention is that if an employer doesn't take steps when complaints are made um, in regard to any type of harassment in the workplace and later that employee were to leave, for instance, and say they were constructively dismissed and they allege sexual harassment or workplace bullying, etc., it's actually the employer that is in contravention of the Employment Equity Act. And what's interesting in the case of sexual harassment, there's no maximum um, compensation that the CCMA could award. Oh, so, so it can go up and up and up. And is there prescription? Does it? Do you run out of time? So, if what the what the um, Labor Relations Act says is that if you are feel that you are the victim of any form of harassment, you should obviously bring it to the attention of the business as soon as possible. I mean, the longer you leave it, the more difficult it becomes. But there's actually been a recent case um, in the Labor Appeal Court that they've ruled on, and it was a matter in which an employee had been subjected to sexual harassment for seven years. And in that period had consistently complained and it had just become worse and worse and worse. And eventually the business did take steps and did in fact um, dismiss him. And he went to the CCMA and I actually just want to quote, if you don't mind, is sure. that the CCMA commissioner actually found that her docile conduct, in fact, it was fine for him to arrest her. Arrest her oh, really? Because she had been quite docile in her wow. conduct. And it's almost therefore, like tacit consent. Absolutely. And therefore found that the dismissal was unfair. The company, of course, then took it to the to the labor labor court. And on review, and I'll just quote what the actual labor court said, mm-hmm. is they said, silence, no matter how prolonged it may be, as the commissioner ought to have known, does not amount to consent. A docile response to sustained sexual harassment cannot be equated to an invitation. There's nothing that was presented before the commissioner that indicated that the complainant inspired the perpetrator to continue with his deplorable conduct. And clearly the commissioner misconceived the nature of the inquiry and went about the inquiry in the wrong manner. That's amazing. How recent is this? So this is, um, actually, let me just see. Uh, it's 2018. Wow. So this is brand new law. Brand new. And what's, and what's really great about it, um, Gareth, is it just shows that the courts are almost taking a zero tolerance towards this type of behavior in the workplace. Something for all employers and employees to be aware of. The other thing I suppose I want to ask you about with regard to this is the, the, the effect that social media has had on labor relations and HR and the relationship between a, an employed or employer 
and the, the business. You know, um, Gareth, as you know, social media is amazing and it's an amazing tool that businesses, more and more businesses are using. But when we meet with clients and especially executive management, we warn them about the risks involved in social media in that, um, you know, becoming too familiar with your employees in terms of WhatsApps and mm. Facebook, et cetera. It can be, it, it sort of grays the, the playing fields a bit and it doesn't keep that that employer-employee relationship quite intact as it should mm. be. Um, what we've also seen, of course, is we've seen conduct outside of the workplace that has resulted in people getting dismissed. And I'm sure you've, you're well aware of the Kalula case. Yes. Um, where the incident occurred outside of the working mm-hmm. um, environment and, in fact, had nothing to do with work. But it was still know, a problem. Absolutely. The work looked at it and said this is – unacceptable conduct and we can't um, permit it and she was ultimately dismissed so our advice to all people is that really take take um, heed when you when you <sighs> conducting yourself on social media because really it can come back and bite you what do you do to relax how do you get away from the law so, Gareth, I definitely don't like to read anything about the law in my spare time. And it's nice just to switch off and read fiction and just get into a, a different environment. Um, I have got two little boys, uh-huh. so they keep me on my toes on the weekends. So I spend a lot of time with them. And I enjoy dancing. Okay. Um, we actually dance at work. We've got a dance club. so That's, that's cool. That's great fun. And we do Latin American um, dancing. Uh-huh. And um, I love to cycle. When I have sure. time to do these things, but it's yeah, all I mean, about balancing time and work and family life. Well, it doesn't sound like there's a dull moment. It's uh, it's busy all the time with you. Yes, no, it's it's it is busy but um, enjoyable, I must say. What's your advice to any young candidate attorneys or even attorneys who've just started in practice um, when it comes to the things that you've learned over the years in the law? What uh, what, what can you give them as as a little bite sized chunk of the wisdom that you've gathered? I think, Gareth, the most important thing is just to put their heads down and work hard and to really, number one, find out where their passion lies because I think there's nothing worse than being in an area of law that you're not passionate about. Mm-hmm. And there's so many diverse areas. So you need to really look and find where your passion lies and 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 really chase after that because I think a lot of people are lost to the legal profession because they they put in areas of law that really bore them or – are not interesting to them, and then they see that as the profession as a whole and leave, and we lose good candidates to that. Well, you're the opposite of that, obviously, so thanks very much for making some time for us. Now you've got to go and dance cycle, uh, make make new precedents, uh, get reported in, in, the, in the law reports, and, um, and hopefully help so many South Africans who are unemployed to get employed and how many that, that are already employed to stay employed and do the best stuff they can. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was fun being here. You've been listening to Fluxman's Attorneys for the Love of Law. For more information, go to fluxmans.com.